Well, hello again, friends. Welcome to the Make 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 podcast episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of the Make 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 podcast. I'm with you as always, Josh Baker. Uh, we'll be hosting this one with our new friend, Miss Jenna Citrus. Jenna, if you could tell our lovely listeners who you are. I take pictures. That's, that was our joke, right? I'm Josh. I take pictures. So you're Jenna. What do you do, Jenna? I also take pictures, but get ready for the whole shindang that's about to come out because I do graphic design, uh, well, photography, that's the taking pictures part, uh, videography, modeling, self-portrait work, uh, I make books, I write, uh, I'm in the process of making audiobooks, which is why I have this new fancy mic set up. No one can see my hands, sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of do all the things. I, I love experimenting and trying new things, so that's, I jump from thing to thing. <laughs> I'm Jenna and I do all the things, there we go. <laughs> you sound like every one of my friends and me. It's like, what do you do? It's like, well, uh, let's see, I write, I draw, I paint. No, I mean, my friends are that way. Like I model, I make cosplay, I build my own stuff, and da 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 I'm a makeup artist. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> what do I do? Let's see. I, uh, I take pictures. I host a podcast. Uh, I host a YouTube show called Josh Says Me Things. Um, I'm president of a photo club. Um, and in high school, I had the most pages in my yearbook. Whoa, congratulations. Because I, I was bored. I grew up in a small town. So I was in like the school plays and academic decathlon and destination imagination and uh, a bunch of other things. And I played sports and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's who I am. And uh, Jenna, tell people where, where, where are you coming to us from today? Because you're not, you're not local. You're not Austin. You're not Texan. Where are I, you? I am Kentuckian, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, no. Everyone from Kentucky is going to hate me. Uh, so I was Indiana, born and raised, and that I lived in Cincinnati for a couple months. And then I moved to Kentucky, and then I bought a house in Kentucky. And now I live in Kentucky. And I mean, it's awesome. But as an Indiana person, we spent all of our time making people fun of people that lived in Kentucky. So now I'm just making fun of myself, I guess. Now you're one of them. One yeah. of us. One of us. Yeah. One of us. That's cool. <laughs> So Jen and I actually met kind of an interesting way. We both, uh, we obviously both have, uh, patrons. And so we were in a patron club together to help other, uh, patron creators, like basically a mixer, but also like accountability. And so we've been working on like marketing together and trying to figure out ways to do different things for that. Um, for mine, if you want to support ours, patreon.com slash Azulox. Um, but I, I, one of the reasons I wanted to interview Jenna is because she's kind of at a crossroads, um, she was doing something and it was successful and now she's ready for the next challenge. Um, so Jen, if you want to a throw out your Patreon, uh, if you want to, but also kind of tell us where you, where, where, where were you and where do you want to go? Sure. Uh, so I'm going to actually take even a couple steps back before the getting successful on Patreon part kind of jumps in. <laughs> That's yeah. Fair. That's fair. Uh, but I, I was a content creator, mostly producing visual content. Um, I did shoot some fine art nudes, but mostly I just I focused on what looked beautiful and what was pretty. And like sometimes I would happen to be naked in them. And that was like or sometimes I'd be like, you know, it would look a lot better in this scene, not the outfit you're wearing. So mm -hmm. I, I was like and I was just like a free spirit and I like to be naked and I was very comfortable with it. But I didn't figure out that I could make money being naked until I went to New York and I booked a whole bunch of modeling shoots. And I was like, hey, you can make a hundred bucks an hour if you take your clothes off. This is cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, because where I live, people don't hire you to do that. They're like, no, you're, you're in trouble now. Uh, so, so uh, the things we do for money. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was I, I was raised German, so I'm very like conservative with my money and always want to make more of it. So I was like, hey, I could make some money doing this. So I started doing that. And then. I had a couple conversations with a few people that were making content for Patreon, and I had a Patreon for about a year at that point. I was making 
uh, between like one and $17 a month, which was, you know, like I, the first time I cashed out, I got $90 and I was like, this is the best amount of money in the whole wide world. I'm going to go buy so much paint. And so I did that. Uh, but yeah, $90 is, is something, but it's not, it's not the rent. Uh, but so I, I talked to some people and they're like, Hey, you should do some like suggestive ish workout videos or like just some things that could like lead people on and be like, hey, if you want to see me naked, go to Patreon. So I started that business model up about two years ago, and I've been running it. Um, it was kind of crazy. That was in February of 2018. And then by like March or April, I was cranking out a few grand a month on Patreon. It was like, wow, spike of success. So that was exciting. But um, I'm kind of to the point now, and I've been here for about a year where it's like, I do not mind to be naked. I do not care to be naked, but I would like to do something that for me has a lot more personal depth than just not wearing clothes. But if you do want to see that, <laughs> I'm not nagging it or anything, but that is uh, uh, patreon.com slash Citrus. And then I have a second Patreon that's my safe for work content. That is patreon.com slash art. So yeah, I've, I've been back and forth and I, I make both kinds of content and I'm trying to focus a little more on making safer for work content. And yeah, that's, that's where I'm going right now. <laughs> so with the art one, mm -hmm. what, what type of art do you want to make? Um, big question. On that, that is such a big question. What, how about I start with what I just started making recently? I've, sure. I've, I really love the Patreon A Club and kind of the accountability because I'm like, I've been trying to do this for about a year, but I didn't have specific goals. I'm like, I want to make other stuff. And so now I'm really just kind of digging in. And one of my goals that I'm working on this week is every day I'm trying to write a thousand words, which, uh, wow. yeah. <laughs> I did today, but it took two hours. I did yesterday and I was like, I feel amazing. This is awesome. And now I'm like, oh my God, this was so hard. What am I doing? <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I've been writing a lot. I mean, I've always written, but I've not sat down and focused and tried to be a writer. So I'm really trying to write more. I do have an art show coming up, but I'm kind of the point where I have so many paintings in my life that I don't need any more. <laughs> I just need <laughs> everyone to buy all of them immediately. <laughs> It's either that or buy a storage closet, right? Yeah. Well, they're in my parents' garage, but it has a dehumidifier, so it's like nice and stuff. But uh, I just don't need any more of them. There's so many. But yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. trying try to make more books. And I have, okay, and this is kind of back to adult content, but I wrote this book while everyone was in lockdown called 10 Sexy Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I'm working on making an audiobook for it. And it's a lot harder than I thought, but I'm really enjoying it, and I'm getting ready to dig back in and get that re-recorded and send it back out. So, so cool. So yes. let's say we're writing. So what yes. what type of like you're you're writing a thousand words a day? Mm -hmm. Is there is it a novel? Like is it what it what what are you writing? I unfortunately have three projects I'm working on at the same time. Of course you are. Of course, of course you are. Of course. I could just... GT Kids. GT Kids Unite. How many projects are you working on? All of them. That's how many I'm working on. I'm working on all of the projects right now. I'm never stopping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a little ridiculous. Uh, I did... One of them I came up with was guided meditation. I've listened to some and I'm like, that would be a great audiobook. And I don't think there are too many of them out there. So I'm writing a guided meditation that I will be reading back. It's more like writing for an audiobook. So that's a little bit of a different mind frame to wrap my head around. I've always written poetry and I have this huge backlog of content that I've not edited or gone through. So I'm going through that and also writing new content that's more of like a flow poetry type of thing. And I did write one book called an open book end and it was i think it was 164 pages of me doing that 
but I published it in 2014 and it was more like I'd been out. It was it's back, you know, like when we were allowed to leave the house and do wild things and meet new people. <laughs> Wait, you can leave? I, I'm not allowed to leave. No, this was <laughs> yeah, like 20, uh, 2012, yeah. you know, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> in the before times. Yeah, before. So I was like going on escapades and just having a lot of different encounters and emotions. And I'd come home and I'd write about that. And that, that was one of those books. And I kind of kind of am trying to pull a few things that we can do now in. But I still have a few of those loose ends I'm trying to tie up into a book. So there's the poetry book. And then for the first time ever, I'm writing a purely nonfiction book, except I feel like I'm cheating because I'm pulling it out of my dreams. I don't know. Mm. Like, I'll have a crazy dream and I'll wake up. And so, and one of my things to get the thousand words written is I like wake up 830, hit the computer, don't get off until it's done. And it's terrible sometimes, but uh, <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. But since I have that dream state sort of left in my head, I'll sometimes write about that and trying to make a nonfiction or uh, no fiction fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Fiction that's interesting. Book. So. Uh, it so happens to be that one of our clients is the Blanton Museum of Art and one of their exhibits. Um, I hope I get this guy's, his name was James Drake. Uh, he's up in like the panhandle of Texas and he had an exhibit called brain trash hmm. and it was a thousand, I believe it's a thousand pieces of parchment paper that he drew on every morning. Um, and they were like, like 24 by 36 size, mm -hmm. maybe somewhere in there. Nice. Um, and it was a thousand of them. And I, I got wow. the chance to talk to him and I remember asking him, I was like, Hey, like what, like, what was the inspiration? And, and he was a little bit older generation. He's probably in his sixties. And I was like, yeah, tell me about this. Like, what, what did it come from? And, and his response I'll always remember, which was, he's like, man, you just got to get up and work. <laughs> he goes, I think so many times he goes, I'd spend two or four hours every morning doing it. He goes, you know, I would talk to young artists and they would sit around and wait for inspiration to come. And he was like, it, it, that's not how inspiration works. Inspiration finds you as you're working. That was just one of the pieces I sort of wrote about this morning. Because from those, the, the 2014 book that I did, it was, it was, I would have these moments and the poem would just like hit me and I'd have to like run for paper and get it. But lately there've not been, I hate to say this, but less out of, out of your house experiences. So less opportunities for all of that experience to sort of bubble up. So I would just have to sit down and be like, I'm going to write something and it's, it's going to be something and it could be trash or it could not, but I'm going to get it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, this, this whole podcast is just an exercise. I call it being stupid of just me, just like shutting off that voice in my head that questions everything as, as artists and what I call GT kids in Texas, that's the, the gifted and talented kids. It's the kids who like have a hundred different things going on at once, but we get so unconfident because we have all these ideas and it's hard to put value on which one's good and which one should, which, which one should we follow? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to know that, especially growing up. It's like, well, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, which one do I pick? And mm -hmm. it can be paralyzing for me, certainly. Yeah. And so sometimes I, I joke, I have to be dumb to be successful, which is, it, it, I don't mean it as like a derogatory term. It's just like shutting off that voice that questions everything you try to output. Mm -hmm. And we, at least for me and, and the friends that I had growing up, we were always like, oh, don't work on that. Just get your work done. Don't, don't, don't work on that. Just get your work done. And now my whole life is all the stuff that I was told never to do. Um, <laughs> right. So like, no, 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 don't, don't, it's not time to get your camera out. You need to write this paper. I'm like, no, no, no I get paid to get, take my camera out now. Um, and so this, this whole podcast, it was really an exercise for me in, 
and I've been wanting to do one for a while. Um, but it was really just about shut up, get to work, find people to talk to. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. It can be done at 50%, at 60%. Um, just get out, do it, put it out into the world. And then, you know, if you need to make it better as you go, make it better as you go, mm-hmm. but it's okay to start at zero. Mm-hmm. And that um, I really love about the Patreon website that like some of my projects are like a hundred percent finished, but a lot of them are at that zero. It's like, I just wrote this, feel free to give me feedback or not, or just like, I want to put this somewhere. So it's out in the world. It's not sitting on my desktop decaying, but it kind of gives you that that in-between platform. It's not like a whole finished, complete project, or sometimes it is. But yeah, it's it's a nice place to, to gather a group of people and kind of use them as a sounding board too. Yeah, I found, I, I mean, I'm, I'm newer to this whole experience than, than you are, but it has been a, a great way for me to just, it's kind of a release valve of, hey, I took this photo and I want to talk about it. I don't know where I want to talk about it. So here's the photo. Here's the behind the scenes. Here's how I made it. And I'm just, it's just getting thoughts down and like organizing my thoughts about it. Um, and two, for me, it serves the role of I love helping people. Mm-hmm. And I love getting that information out there so that other people can use it. I've made a lot of dumb mistakes. I've made some expensive mistakes. And if I can, if I can help people along the way where they can jumpstart what they want to do, then, then all the better. Um, I have no secrets, I, not in my work, especially not in my work. If you literally, if people ever want to ask like, Oh, how much do you money? money? I was like, here's my QuickBook files. Like I, <laughs> I don't care. Like it doesn't. And in fact, that's something that never gets talked about is, and that's actually, actually the other reason for this podcast is as artists, we talk a lot about making better art. Very rarely do we talk about creating better businesses. Mm-hmm. And that, that was kind of one of the things I wanted to pull in here is I, I am have I'm running this successful business, but I'm a little burnt out on it, but I'm able mm-hmm. to invest that cash back into myself, back into my living expenses. So I don't and as much as like I admire people from having for having nine to five jobs, I've had them and they're they're just very difficult and difficult to maintain uh, artwork outside of them as well. So being sure. able to to find something that you can do that maintains both a, like a lifestyle that you'd like to live and then having money left over to do art with, it's really a liberating sense of being able to do that. So I'm, I'm kind of curious now, Patreon, right? Your, your adult content, that's, that's mm-hmm. certainly a big part of your income. What other sources then? Cause I've, I saw some of the things like you had some like Etsy stuff and my, right. You have, you have all these books, like where, where are they going? Like what, yeah. in what way is that creating income? Well, I, I have put out a lot of books and I mean, maybe like $500 total income from it for all the years that I've been making. And I think I put my first one out in 2013 and I did have a 40 hour a week job then. And it was like, it also focused me to be laser focused on that project and get it done. I'm like, okay, I have no other time. I'm going to finish this. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's probably un- unfortunately only about $500 total that's come from all my book sales. But I mean, I'm never going to make any more than that if I don't keep making neat content and trying. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm not, not afraid to try and fail. And as, as they say about learning from your failures, uh, yeah, I, I learned some stuff and I, as much as I, I would not suggest people making poetry books because that hasn't been like a really good hot seller, I'm still going to make another one and maybe it'll be a different one or hit the market at a different time and kind of lead to something else happening. I have for a while, I was making quite a bit of money on Etsy selling photo backdrops, but for me, Etsy's kind of a feast and famine thing. And mm. I, I have also sort of said this about Patreon that like I my figures have ranged from between like 
2000 up to like my, my best month ever was 13,000. And, but, but if you start having all these bills in your lifestyle and suddenly your life is like, oh, it's about three grand, four grand a month for me for like house payments, blah, 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 just everything all encompassing. And then suddenly you're making two grand and you're like, oh, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> so I, I feel like it's good to just kind of keep, keep all your eggs in lots of different baskets and diversify. Um, I did for a while do some stock trading, but I know one of the other models does some stuff like that. So she'll have just uh, different things going on in life. But yeah, I don't know. Now, I mean, you have a, a, a fairly sizable YouTube following as well, right? Yeah. I mean, you're right around, what, like 100,000, somewhere in there? Yep. Ballpark? 95,000. Getting close to the 100,000 mark. Is that is that anything that is monetizable? Is that something that you monetize or is that more of just a appetizer? I have been in all sorts of fights with YouTube. Uh, they've taken <laughs> several of my accounts down. I got my most recent account monetized, and I had gotten almost I had gotten monetized, and then for a month I was monetized, and I'd gotten a million views in that time, and I made like two grand, and I was so excited. I'm like, yay! I'm gonna make lots of money on YouTube, and then they de they, they haven't demonetized me, but all of my videos are not able to be monetized. So I make like three bucks a month. So that's like, ah. <laughs> um, I would love if I could make more money from YouTube. And I do have a second YouTube channel where I'm trying to be as safe for work as possible and make it an educational, educational channel. But I'm not there yet. <laughs> but again, with the diversity, diversifying, if you just kind of keep pumping that content out and hopefully it'll get to the point where I can monetize it and then it will catch on. But there's there's also no no guarantees for that. Yeah, I mean, for me, YouTube seems. It seems like such a minefield mm -hmm. of like hoops to jump through, yeah. changing standards. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, as we've talked about, it's the number two search platform in the world. Mm -hmm. And so like, do you not be on it? Do you, you know, do you try to make money with it or do you try to, I don't know, like that. I've, I've, I've never felt comfortable with YouTube in the sense of, I never knew how to make it work for me. I always, feel, I, or I always feel like the carpet's about to be ripped out from underneath me, so uh, I like to try to diversify, and that's why I encourage everyone that's on YouTube to follow me elsewhere, although my other biggest platform's Instagram, and it's only 11,000 people compared to all the other people of YouTube, and I'm like, well, if YouTube goes away, sorry, guys. That's interesting. So you have you have 10 times the followers mm -hmm. on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, that's Instagram is probably my biggest following now. Nice. I mean, and I'm nowhere near your number. I think I'm at like 2,600, give what, or take. What, what? Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's um, a process. <laughs> but I also, I don't, it's not a game I try to play. Like okay. I always, I see people with very large numbers and it's like, are they real? Mm -hmm. Are they, it's always funny every night, like once a year they'll do like a bot sweep where they'll take out all the fake accounts ah. and you'll see, you'll see people that had, a hundred thousand. Now they have like 10,000, <laughs> you know, cause they were, they were in like pods or like farms mm -hmm. or, or they paid for followers and they'd have like 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 followers and they'd get like 1% engagement. Oh yeah. I, I feel like, like is it, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of in that boat where like, I look at other people that have less followers than me, but they have so much more engagement and I'm like, I get like a hundred likes on a photo and that's good. So yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. Instagram feels really weird to me, but it also, also has some of my, my real friends that I know from real life. And I'm like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. You're seeing all of my random internet content, but do you still love me? Yeah. <laughs> but. I still feel like Twitter's like the realist. 
I don't I, know. I don't feel that, like that, I have time for it. <laughs> There's like not <laughs> one more, not one more. <laughs> I don't, uh, Twitter for me is not a content. I'm more of a Twitter leech than I am mm. a producer for mm-hmm. Twitter. I, I use Twitter honestly as my newsreader because it's the only one that's still chronological. It's how I follow events and news in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my cat is trying to eat my <gasps> webcam. You have a cat! Yay! Oh, I have two cats. <gasps> I have a big old fluffy cat. And this is Beastie. Hi, Beastie. I really Let's want see. a cat. Do you have cobwebs all over your house on purpose? Oh, yeah. No, it's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. That's, That's our awesome. tradition. We throw we throw uh, plastic spiders into our, uh, our our netting. But yeah, you know, the, the, the social media world is always so... Um, it's so fickle, like the algorithm changes, um, or the platform goes away. What's up Google plus or, um, (laughs) or somebody new buys it. What's up Tumblr. MySpace. (laughs) Right. I mean, and there's been other ones. And so it's always been such a game to keep up with. And it's like, well, they had all these other ones that, that kind of just been popping up and I'm like, I still haven't gotten on TikTok, but everyone's like, Oh my God, TikTok. And I'm like, I don't really care if it goes away in a couple of months. Well, I mean, that's that's over. It's not going away now. But I don't know. I feel like I should now get on TikTok because there's like a million people on there doing all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, uh, one more. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a fatigue to be constantly having to learn the language of that platform mm-hmm. because they all have different currency and they all have a different language. And so yeah, to just, sound original on, on Twitter, like, there's, there's, very there's always a new algorithm. There's always new ownership. It's, it's always getting bought and sold. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you, how do you maintain your signal above the noise of everything that goes on? Like for me, that's just, it's kind of a frustrating part of wanting to have an audience and create for that audience. Well, that, that's one of the things with YouTube and Instagram. I don't, I still do not know what the nudity standards are. And I, I've encouraged a few of my friends to get on there because <clears throat> that was where I was finding my audience. And I was like, hey, these guys are coming and joining and then getting on Patreon. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. You should make one. But with that, um, I don't know what the standards of nudity are. Like, sometimes it was okay to have implied nudity. I see full nudity on YouTube all the time, but if I do anything close to that, I'm like way banned and my accounts are like beyond, I don't know. So, and, and Instagram, it's like, you can see some people that do nudes with sensors that get away with it and other people get their accounts shut down. So I, I don't know where any of the lines are. So I just try to be as safe as possible while still being like slightly showing some of my content. I'm like, I don't know well, what to do. Well, it's also arbitrary though, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, does your do your followers report you? Mm-hmm. Does the community report you? Mm-hmm. Do you have somebody that has a vendetta against you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've seen things get reported. I don't know that I've ever had, I mean, I don't really, I don't think I personally have had anything flagged, but I've heard so many stories. Like every, every model I know has at least two accounts on Instagram mm-hmm. yep. because one's always in timeout for whatever reason. But it's also where they're getting all their attention, right? Like I bet if you looked at like, the top hundred accounts, I bet 80 are really pretty girls. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be the kind of the model of Instagram. Like take pictures of you in lingerie and or more or lesser, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's the model of the internet. Right? <laughs> I mean, the whole internet is, I mean, it exists for like, right. I mean, yeah, it's the model of the internet, right? Any platform, 
whatever, right? <laughs> Google, do you know why, do you know the story of Google image search and why Google image search exists? No. This is according to Google. I, I don't know if this is hundred percent true, but this is the story I heard that after the Super Bowl, where, um, where, uh, JLo and, and, uh, Timberlake, you mean the Janet Jackson boob thing? Yeah. Janet Jackson. Sorry. Janet Jackson. So that their servers were getting hit so much with that request that they developed Google image search to solve that problem. Oh my God. No. So because, because of a nip slip, we have Google image search. So when I say it's literally the currency of the internet, uh, you know, Yep. Welcome to the internet. Let me, are you, do you consider yourself like an early technology adopter? I mean, are you, do you, do you tend to like jump on platforms early? Do you tend to wait and see how they shake out? How do you fall on that spectrum? Um, I got my first iPhone in 2014 and I was kicking and screaming. So probably not. I think I'm just kind of an anti-technology person because I just love to be outside and enjoy nature. And I really have, I have an old typewriter that doesn't even plug into the wall and I really love it, but I, I mean, I, as much as I hate it, I still will do it and will try it. But I think the example of TikTok probably shows how bad I am. Yet there are all these other platforms that like I'll hear of something and I'll immediately sign up and make an account and I'm just found it on the internet. So I don't know. I'm kind of a weird bird in that sense. I can't really give a straight answer. No, I'm probably the same. Like I was wow. on Twitter pretty early, um, but like no TikTok. I really liked Google Plus, actually. I really enjoyed that one because you could do some filtering that was really nice. Um, I'm oh, trying to think of which other ones, but... This is sort of another weird thing, too, but, uh, but uh, for, for those of you that haven't heard of it, being an influencer is where you try do product tests and then either write videos about them, leave Amazon reviews, or some something sort of along those lines. And I love doing that, and I love trying new things, but also some of the new things will not stick around in my life if I don't like them. So I'm, I'm could, pretty much usually up to try anything, but... If it stays is another question. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of profiles back from like 2008 or nine <laughs> that are like, Genesis, one picture. And then I never log back on. There's, yeah. I always wonder like, where does all that stuff go? It stays there usually, except one of the platforms emailed me. They're like, you haven't logged on in over 90 days. And I'm like, you're sure I haven't. <laughs> and and then they deleted my account. I'm like, that's fine. But most that's of fine. the rest of them are still there. Yeah. If I Google my name, I'm like, oh, wow, that's been there a long time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a, I had a Tumblr. I made like five posts mm-hmm. and then it's probably been three years since I've done anything. Like maybe it's still there. I don't know. Oh, my Do tum- I know? Do I remember my login? No. <laughs> like, uh, I, I could guess it maybe, but. I love Tumblr until they did the adult content sweep and then they just like flagged everything and I'm like, it's not that adult, let me have it. And now like I'll get on Tumblr and there's straight up just very, very, very adult content. I'm like, hey, where, where did that well, come from? <laughs> didn't somebody buy it? I mean, didn't like new owners come in or. I don't know. They were know. trying to sell it. Like it seemed like it got away from its core mission mm-hmm. or the, its founding mission. I don't know if it's its core mission, but. You know, I think that's instructive, though, too, of I think as artists, we go through this. Like, am I original? Am I a sellout? Yeah. And my advice generally to people is if you get the chance to sell out, do it (laughs) because it's so hard to make money as an artist. Like it's so, so, so hard. Very few people ever make any appreciable amount from their art. Mm -hmm. Like if you took all the art created and then the percentage of people that make any money from it. That right, that ratio, that's a huge ratio, yeah. right? Of no, you know, for every thousand people that create some piece of art to, to the people that make it, what 
one in a thousand, maybe. Well, even just in my own work, like all the things I've made that I've made no money from that. I mean, that ratio is in the same boat as that. Like I'm I found this one thing that works and I'm like kind of making bank and making a lifestyle out of it. But in the same basket, I'm like, I've done all these other things that have made a drop in the bucket of money and I'm still going to keep doing them. <laughs> so I, I would encourage everyone to keep doing their art, but also try new things to see if they can find a niche where they're like, hey, there's some money here. I'm going to collect on that for a minute or two and, and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean is sell out, sell out so that you can make the things you do want, you know, you, you want to make. Oh, I, I have to tell you about the house that I'm actually in right now, because this yeah, is this is sort of one of my exciting things about being able to make money. Uh, I still have a loan, unfortunately. If I had YouTube ad money, I would not probably have had to get a loan on this house. But yeah, shame on you, YouTube. Anyways, uh, I was able to buy a Victorian house and then renovate it because of money from the internet. And this was a project that I probably would have never been able to afford, but... Yeah. And also stopping what you're doing and trying things in completely different realms for me is really refreshing. Uh, this house project has been great for me learning DIY skills. And I just love to learn new things and kind of get my hands messy in all sorts of different projects. But yeah, I don't know. Just try new things and keep making stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in general, I, I absolutely agree with you trying new things. My question with that is how many how many skills kind of jump over from circle to circle? Right. So like, it, do you take anything from learning an audio book? Like, how does that jump over to anything else you might try? Well, this podcast is using my new equipment from the audio book. So that's kind of exciting <laughs> to be like, hey, yeah. get, no, getting absolutely. to use that. Um, uh, I would. Well, I have a degree, uh, uh, I guess, an associate's degree. I got an associate's and a four year at the same time. But the I have a degree in business and that sort of jumps over everything. It's just like, keep in mind what to do, how to run taxes and do all that jazz and be sure to pay them. And I don't know, kind of just keeping track of records. Well, I guess record keeping really flows across everything. So I'm always keeping track of expenses and income and yeah, all those things. Uh, I would typically say there's quite a bit of overlap between stuff because that's, well, writing and writing an audiobook are pretty much, you still have to write it. So that's, yeah. Uh, it was very, it was very much a leading question in the sense that I, like for me, I'm, I'm a generalist photographer. I do like in a week, my assignments or my clients are all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. It might be a maternity, a wedding, a corporate client, a car, a product, right? I jump a lot of different. And I've always felt that learning how to do one widened my base to do the next, mm -hmm. Absolutely. right? So it, gave, it, it expanded and strengthen my baseline skills so that any, for whatever next project came up, I felt more and more confident to take that on. I feel the same way with photography and videography. I started out as a portrait photographer and now I, going from photo to video was not that hard for me, but I, I have heard some things and I know I'm not the top, top of the line videographer with all the best sound equipment, but I also feel like with my video work, I'm able to also like make a music video. If it, and this is one of the far dreams in the future that I keep pushing down the pipeline, but I want to write a song. And when I get that song written, I'm going to be able to make a music video for it because I have my adult video content creation skills. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I can do, I can do video. Mm -hmm. I can do stills. Mm -hmm. I can't do them at the same time. No. Cause there's this ridiculous lag on a Canon camera. That's like, <laughs> no, no. What I mean is like mentally, I can't mentally do it. It's not a technical, uh, like okay. I can either think in two dimensions or I can think in three dimensions, mm -hmm. but I can't think in two and three dimensions. 
So like went for a long time, our company, we did like wedding stills and wedding videography, Mm -hmm. but I would bring in separate people. Like you two are shooting the stills. You two are shooting the video and Mm -hmm. we're not crossing over. Like you're, you're, you two are just doing video. We're doing just stills Mm -hmm. because that like flipping back and forth, I see people do it, but that, that they're better than me. Like that's, that's hard for me to do mentally. I, I can do either fine, but I can't do them at the same, like on the same day, I, I wouldn't want to do both on the same day. I think the only way that I do both at the same time is if I'm doing a photo shoot of a model, then I do behind the scenes video, which doesn't, mm. doesn't really count, but yeah, I'll do that. And sometimes I can do it, but it's, yeah, now that you mention it, I realize I don't usually do that. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes. Have you, have you ever heard of the 10,000 hour rule? Yes. So kind of what I'm talking about. There was, there was a guy who wrote a book called range. Um, and it basically says the 10,000 hour rule is a, is a crock. It works for certain things, but for the most part, it doesn't work. Um, and he said that, that range, um, people that had a broader skill set had more success later in life and that they had more success in situations where fluidity of thought was more valued. And so for things that were rigid, like chess, like golf, like tennis, um, the 10,000 hour rule was fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for almost everything else, uh, it was better to have a range of skills and a range of experiences because then you were better able, you had a broader base to stand on. I would say that the 10,000 hours I've already put into photography, content creation, whatever, whatever we want to call that of my life, those 10,000 hours definitely would flow over. I mean, what I've got 20 hours of being an audiobook creator, which, yeah, <laughs> boo, <laughs> yeah, boo, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 9,980 to go. No, but I think some of the speaking skills and like the, the watching and the learning process, because I was able to watch videos and be like, okay, this is how you're supposed to correctly do this. But I'm used to learning how to do stuff with the 10,000 hours. It's like, I feel like I've put my time in and no, I'm not the best audiobook producer in the world yet. And if I start music, I might have, I'm probably just gonna have to like start way over. But uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of those skills are pretty applicable. Well, even marketing, because I'm not gonna say I'm the best marketer at things, but I do have sort of this audience base. And when I release a new thing, I'm like, hey, I put it on all these platforms and all these people are like, hey, that's cool. I may or may not buy that. And I've got that skill down. So when the audiobook lease, launches, I'll be like, boom, same thing I've done every single day of my life for other things. So I don't know. That's kind of nice to have some cross, cross promotion, cross uh, platform skills. I mean, the hardest part is building the audience, right? I mean, that's the content production isn't necessarily the hard part. That's the fun part. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's the fun part. Yeah. People always ask me like, oh, I want your job. Like you, you want to be a photographer? Like, yeah, I want to take pictures all day. I'm like, ha ha, that's funny. (laughs) You think I take pictures all day. I take pictures like 5% of my time. It is emails and emails and emails, phone calls, text messages, emails, phone calls, text messages, backing up files. Um, and then occasionally taking pictures. Mm -hmm. And as, as much as I like creation, it feels like so much of it is tied to the computer and the cell phone. And I'm like, I just have to get away from that sometimes, like take, take refreshing breaks and like go outside where no one's trying to make content. (laughs) Be like, leave me alone. I went outside and just laid on my sidewalk for like five minutes and just looked straight up at the sky (laughs) yesterday. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, I need to like decompress and quit staring at the screen. (laughs) Yeah. Literally just to change the focus of my eyes from Mm -hmm. three feet in front of me to a thousand feet in front of me. Cause I was like staring off into the distance. Like, well, I'm just going to go. And I just lay down until the bugs got me. Um, and it felt great. And the sidewalk was kind of warm from, mm-hmm. it was, and I was like, man, this is good. I should just come out here more. 
when I was about to finish college, I got, I, and I wasn't ever diagnosed, but I was wearing wrist splints on both of my hands because I had like eight hours worth of school computer work that I'd be at school. And then I'd go home and do homework for those classes. And then I had a job at a photo studio where I'd edit photos. And then I still want to do my own stuff. And I'm like, I'm on the computer every minute of my life. <laughs> and yeah, that, I've sort of tried to set my life up a little differently now. So I'm not on as much, but yeah. yeah. All right. So here's a hypothetical. Okay. I know. No, it's not really hypothetical, but bring it on. Um, what, what advice would you give for somebody that was looking to get started? Not necessarily adult content, but just, Hey, I'm an artist. I have, I make X. Um, I want to start creating a network. If you could start from scratch, like what would be some of the first steps you would take? I would say a couple of the things are go where the people are. Um, when I first started doing this, I wasn't so online and there were art shows with communities of people with group shows with other artists and I would go and meet those other artists and being able to meet their network and get introduced to people was great. Being in school was kind of amazing. I don't want to go back, but the network of people you were constantly exposed to was just phenomenal. So try try to latch on to people. I didn't do nearly good enough job doing that as I wish I'd been able to do. But yeah, just meeting new people in person. Well, oh crap, I forgot. Yeah, we're not allowed to leave the house. Never mind. Oh. Oh. Wait, wait. So you're saying that like going and actually meeting people? That I know we're in a pandemic. I know, I forgot. Oh, I've been living in out, this. Outside, outside the pandemic. It's so funny. I, I, I say, I, I tell people this all the time. One of the best things I ever did, I joined my local chamber of commerce. Uh, it caught, it cost me, I don't know, 200, mm-hmm. somewhere in there around $200. And I live in a town of like 60,000 and almost every year it pays for itself. 10 X. Nice. I think, don't they only let like one photographer in the chamber? Is that like how it, no, I think ours I mean, does that. No, but. Like if you call the chamber and like, Hey, I need a photographer. They will own, they can only recommend active members. Oh, okay. But what it did for me was I shoot a lot of corporate photography. Mm-hmm. And so it introduced me to every small business owner in town. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so like when I go into places now, it's not, I'm not some random guy. I'm like, Oh yeah, I saw you at the chamber mixer last week. And it's already kind of opened mm-hmm. the doors. A, a door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people that all the time. And it's amazing how few people do it. Well, that business side of me, I used, I, and I didn't do it enough. And I'd love to do it once the pandemic is over again. I'm still pretending it's going to be over in two more weeks. Let's play that game. But I used to, sure. go, I used to go to toast meetings where everyone would be toast, toastmaster and learn how to mm-hmm. speak in public things. And that would just sort of expose you to a wide range of people that were all trying to focus on better public speaking. And that kind of taps you into sort of a power network of people that are trying to better themselves and go, go places. And I'm really excited that the A Club was able to connect us because I hate to be this Yeah, part. me too. Yeah, like I haven't got to meet people this year. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, what I think it's so funny is, I mean, you and I were on a call for what, 10 minutes? And we were like, hey, like you can just, I don't know. You can feel, you can feel those beats. Like everybody has their own kind of music. And it's, it, I don't know, the older I get, the easier it is for me to tell like somebody dancing to about the same rhythm as mm-hmm. me. Um, I, I haven't even got to look at your work before. I was like, hey, I want to set up another meeting with you, like just by ourselves, because I really like you. I want to talk to you more. And then I looked at your work and I'm like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> good call. Good call. 
my, my general theory in life is I get through life with energy and effort. I just try to have like a more of a positive energy and put out more effort than the next person. And that gets me like most of the way there. Yeah. That's a really good way to think about it. Oh, I want to circle back to your question again. The, the first one that we were talking about with how to expand your network. Uh, yep. Since we're online now, since everyone is on the internet, um, if you can find one person that you can get really close to and be like, hey, expose me to your network of people, you can also kind of meet people through internet people through friends. There. That. Yeah. Did that make sense? No. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, the first t-shirt I'm making for this podcast to sell is going to say your network is your net worth. Mm-hmm. It's a good and one. so if you can, once you can have that spillover effect from zero degrees, right? The people, you know, mm-hmm. to that next of, and now people that know people I know are mm-hmm. interested in me that, that first one degree, yep. that's that first like exponential growth. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of businesses, it's just a matter of, of staying in business long enough so that that spillover effect can, can happen. Mm-hmm. So that means you have to delight your, your first circle, right? The people that know you already, mm-hmm. delight them, excite them, give them a great experience. And then they're going to go tell people that you don't personally know, but that they know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I think in our, in our last uh, episode with Emily, she talked about that where I asked her what marketing she does. She goes, I don't really do any marketing because my clients are so excited they that they go friends. and tell 10 friends and I have more than I can handle. That's awesome. And it's like, man, and that, I just thought that was so brilliant. So shout out Emily with Veriglass imagery. Um, but just creating that experience. And I think people are really looking for experiences more now more than ever. Mm-hmm. It's not about just doing that thing. It's about doing it with a smile or making it exciting in some way or making it unique in some way um, towards like, Memorable. and I use an example, like a lot of times when we do a photo shoot, before people ever see a photo, they're already happy. Mm-hmm. They left it feeling good and they're like, hey, that felt like a nice experience and you helped make them comfortable in front of the camera because right. some people are afraid of cameras. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. like when we do engagements and sh- engagement shoots, I always know the bride's going to be happy. Mm-hmm. For me, the barometer for me has always been the groom. Mm-hmm. And I've also been a groom and I know how <laughs> awkward it can be. And so if I can put them at ease and make them excited about whatever idea that the bride and I and I came up with, Mm -hmm. if I can sell it to them and get them on board, like we're going to make some really cool stuff because if I don't, they're going to be what I call an agent of unchanged. They're going to actively fight me (laughs) on, on changing their perception. And so I need to make them become an agent of change Mm -hmm. so that they can get on board with, with the vision that I want to do. Um, literally, and he just texted me, but one of my, my college roommate, um, when we did their engagements, I had some pretty crazy ideas and the bride was on board. So we were going to do Indiana Jones <laughs> themed engagement shoot. Dang. And at first he was like, we're going to go where I have to wear what? Ah, kitty, you're on the keyboard. Um, and he was like, he was like, we're going to do what? And he, and like literally one of my best friends. And he was like, I don't know, Josh, this is like, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> and by the end, like he was so into it and like, it turned out amazing. And it, the photos actually like went into like a national wedding magazine, like publication. That's awesome. But like, if I hadn't convinced, and it took me like 30 minutes to an hour of shooting before he really fully bought in. (laughs) I don't know if he'll admit that, but for like the first 30 minutes, 45 minutes, he was kind of hesitant. And finally he started having fun with it. 
Um, and so it was the experience and he didn't, they hadn't seen any of the photos and they're like, that was awesome. That was so fun. Yeah. But it wasn't until they committed to where the fun happened. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with that story, but. But bring the party to all your experiences and everyone will love you. There you go. Jenna said it better than I did. She said it better than I did. I'm just, I'm just a random link blonde now. Get, get an A for attitude. There you go. (laughs) Seriously. No, just attitude and effort. Like Mm -hmm. it, it matters so much. Like. I try to tell my kids that so much too. Like if you can just be, if you can be happy and gracious and energetic, people will do business with you. Mm-hmm. I, I think, well, I, I, so I, I am very open with my model of how I became so internet popular or whatever you want to call me at this point in time in my life. And internet I will, famous. And, uh, I don't know, but, but well, internet famous enough to make some sort of a living out of it and not, not have to, to do a grueling nine to five every day. But that's, I, I, I share my business model with any model that asks me and I'm like, Hey, I'll tell you exactly what I did. Here's all the steps, blah, 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 whatever. And then sometimes they'll, they'll sort of start doing it. And then other times they won't, but I've heard so many people come back and say, Jenna, your attitude is what makes people want to watch you. And I'm like, Hey, that's really nice and sweet. But I'm, and I don't know how to teach attitude except that I was an emo kid when I was 13. And that <laughs> attitude was not this attitude. <laughs> yes. Did you ever work restaurants? I did not. I worked at that photo studio for eight years and I got to the point where it was, I hated it. Like I no offense to the business owner, but it was just like, it became my, my restaurant job. I was like, sure. Oh my God. So it was like, a retail, I mean, it was kind of a retail studio, right? Yeah. We have clients coming in selling them prints. Yeah. So same thing. And- I think, I think for people that have had that type of job, restaurants, customer service, ooh, retail, like we, we understand so much of like how, how not to do things <laughs> and like how not to be that client. Um, that we really strive in a different way versus people that never work that type of job. It's like, you got to learn how to make people happy and make them smile and just get, but back when we were allowed to hug people, hug everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard to hug on the internet though. I don't know how to do it. I'm very much like a hugger and like my kids, I'm always like mussing up their hair. Like I need, I need that. And that's been a hard part for me. Um, just that disconnect. (laughs) I've taken to blowing kisses to people instead of hugging them during the pandemic. And I'm like, this is really weird now. <laughs> so I'm like blowing kisses. I'm like, instead of hugging you friends that I never kissed before, I'm like yeah. I should probably stop. This. <laughs> I want to, I want to start the, I don't know if you remember this, but kid and play house party. Mm-mm. I don't know if you remember that kid and play, they were big in the nineties. Um, and they did this like foot tapping dance. And I'm like, man, that should make a comeback. Like part of their dance was like, mm-hmm. they were rappers in the nineties, hip hop. And like, they had a dance with like, they would touch feet and like spin around and come back and kick feet again. It was like, that's how we need to greet people right there. It's like no hands, no mouth, just, just kick, kick each other's feet. Yeah. Like we need to start kid and play style again. I'm going to throw out a link to house party. What's up? I think they made like eight of them. Like it became like a cult hit and then they made like eight more or something. Yeah. I gotta check uh, that out. That sounds yeah, fun. Kid and, kid and play house party. Yeah. Kid and play. Uh, one of them, I think it was play had like this crazy, high top fade. It was like a four or five inch, like high top fade. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was, it was everything I wanted to be as like a small town, like white kid. I was so jealous. I was like, I can't do my hair. I, I can't do any of this. So. And wanted- then the other kid like jumped over his own leg. Like he held his ankle and then like oh, jumped over I've his seen leg. I've people do that. Yeah. Not yeah, me. That's, but- that's that group. Kid and play. What's up? And now we're talking like internet nineties culture now. What's up? Um, is there any other like advice for people starting out? Like what, anything else that you're like, man, this really helped me or 
I've seen this other people do it and really help them get started or I think the feeling like the I would call it the perfectionist ideal like you have to re-edit and redo everything until it gets to be perfect is terrible um just I, I would just say do it and release it and just kind of be be out there and open and be like hey I'm I'm at a stage where this is the beginning and just don't don't create a barrier to entry for yourself like it's a good mm. thing to have standards but like when I put out like something like the first version of it is like this is the first draft uh it can be and it can be edited it can be talked about it can be discussed it can be changed but i would just start by putting it out and being like hey feel free to help it's it's at the bottom but let me know what to do to get it someplace else so just make stuff just how much (laughs) i love that how much of your content is that work in progress is that it's not the final like do you have not necessarily a set target, but just, you know, rough idea of like how much your content is just work in progress versus like, I'm done with this. I would say most to a lot of it. Like I don't always take everything to the final step and I don't know if that's bad, but it it lets me keep creating and not have that barrier of like, oh my God, I want this to be perfect because, well, I I was getting ready to submit an image for your, um, podcast last night so josh was going to say a mean thing about my photo but every time i looked at <laughs> so i had like i don't know there were like 20 images for the year that i was like done with and proud of and then i looked at them and i'm like if i'm about to edit this or if i'm if i'm about to get this critiqued that's bad that's bad that's bad so i'm like eh. <laughs> but but they were already on the internet and i'm like i mean it's it's good enough for me to share and be like hey i i did this check it out but not good enough to get printed and hang on the wall and be like you should buy this <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's there, good. There's definitely a, a different different barrier for that. My my goal with that. So we have a we have a YouTube show called Josh Does Me Things where I critique people's photos. But um, my goal with all that is so that when you're picking up the camera, that you hear my voice telling you what to do. <laughs> so you're like, oh yeah, Josh said rule of odds. We, I should do rule of odds. That'll make it better. And so I just want to be like that. Like with, I want to be Yoda, like on people's shoulder. Like rule of odds, you must. Yeah, that, <laughs> you can that's, do that's it. my goal. Yeah. <laughs> Do or do not. Yeah, that, that's that's where I want to be. I just want to be everybody's personal Yoda uh, so that, yeah, that, that's the goal with that one. So I have another question for you just because, you know, you've kind of reached a certain level of financial goals, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of my questions are based around like for those people starting out. Is there anybody that is there any advice you have for people that were that have gotten kind of their foot in the door? They've gotten started, but now they're looking to take it to the next step like they're that you know, they're at like 50% and they want to get to like 80%, um, that kind of that next jump. Is there is there any intermediary advice you would have there? I hate to be this person because I've absolutely received the opposite of this advice, but um, don't immediately jump in 100% and quit your day job. Uh, don't go in debt because, I mean, there is the potential that you're going to make that exponential amount of income all of a sudden after you do that one thing that just costs $10,000 that you don't have. Uh, so... I, but I would not do that. I've been kind of a very conservative, very like, like I want to wait. I want to hit that savings goal before I'm about to lose all of this money in this potential investment. <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't immediately quit your day job. But I mean, yeah, if it really sucks, then quit it, of course. But you could always get something else. And like uh, my, my partner and I always say this, that like we are not below going to work at McDonald's and just be like, hey, we don't have money coming in. So we're going to go get it. I'll, I'll use the quotation marks and say a real job. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's yeah. Don't don't be afraid to, to save and wait because the 
Oh, oh, okay. When I was in college, I just had this fire inside of me and I wanted to do all of the projects all of the time. And like, since like maybe a year ago, I've just kind of gotten into this like slower part of my life where I'm like, I have a lot of years in my future. There's a lot of life left to live. So I've kind of slowed down just a little bit to pace myself so I don't get burnt out as much. But yeah, you can do it. But even if you have to wait a little bit longer to do it, how about that? Well, I think that goes too with like being an early adopter or having to have that thing right when it comes out, mm-hmm. right? I'm a photographer. I shoot Canon. Canon just released these two new cameras. They're great. I've played with them, but I see people rushing out to be the first person to buy them. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, most hardware products aren't really finished for like their first six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, or I see people starting out in business, photography business, and they go into debt to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel so bad for them because I know that they're going to have to work twice as hard because not only do they have to, to earn a dollar to put on their table, but they're going to have to earn another 20% on top of that dollar mm-hmm. to pay off the interest on their debt. Yeah. Well, I like, and it, or go ahead. And it's just, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Maybe half my family's German. So maybe that's why another <laughs> half's Lutheran. So we're very like in the middle, like don't Save. go too big. <laughs> Yeah, just like, uh, be very conservative. Like, eh, maybe some things will happen. Um, but I, I love hearing that from other people that, um, you know, be be a little bit more, you don't, honestly, you don't have to have the latest and greatest cameras to create great images. You really don't. I'm probably ashamed to admit this to you, especially, but I didn't get out of the Rebel series until like three years ago. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I literally started my business with a Canon Rebel XTI mm-hmm. and my second camera was a Canon 50D and that 50D, I put over 350,000 exposures on it nice. in the business. I, I keep that camera as a reminder. Like it wasn't a pro camera, but I was a pro with it. There you go. I still have my Rebel. It has paint all over it. So like it's, it's my <laughs> paint camera. I have to try really hard not to get paint on a camera. <laughs> oh, man. But, but I mean, honestly, like I would, I would challenge you, take a picture with a rebel, take a picture with whatever camera you want, put them side by side and tell, you know, tell me which one's which. Mm-hmm. The only time it matters if you're making like something bigger than a 24 by 36 and you're like, this needs to go up on the wall. It's going to get blown up. The focus needs to be spot on. And that's when you get into trouble with shooting with a rebel, which I still love. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But how know. many, I mean, how many people are printing bigger than that? Not many. No, not, not much. And then you can play with Photoshop and sort of. You can, you can fake it a lot too, but Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think about that a lot. Like you don't, we get so caught up in having to be a hundred percent. We get so caught up in like, if I'm going to do it, I have to be perfect at it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a debilitating mindset of like, I have to, I have to have the best, I literally have to either have the best equipment or I'm going to have no equipment at all. (laughs) I'm either going to have a hundred percent inspiration or I'm not getting off my couch. Oh, this is like a random time to promo it, but who's on Facebook marketplace and buys stuff from their used constantly? (laughs) I mean, that's never, I never have. Oh, come on. (laughs) I mean, that's like Craigslist. I don't know. I'm, I'm about like buying stuff secondhand, like furniture and I don't know. But oh, for, for, for like, I mean, like, have I bought you stuff from my business? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Literally my, my 70 to 200 workhorse lens. I've had it for nine or 10 years. I bought it used in 2010 mm-hmm. for like 500 bucks. 
And that lens has paid for itself a hundred times. There you go. And it's an F4. It's not a 2.8. I still shoot with it. F4, not a 2.8. And people are like, I can't believe you shoot with that. I'm like, eh, there's reasons. <laughs> Mainly the F4 weighs half as much. And I don't want to carry around yeah. a big heavy lens all day. Because mm -hmm. a lot of my work is 10 hour weddings or 12 hour corporate events. And I don't want to have, I don't want to carry around a 2.8 zoom. Mm -hmm. If I need faster than that, I'll, I'll get a fast prime. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. I've always been a creative problem solver though. So those skills really come to bear a lot. I'm running a business. that's just like putting out one fire and then like racing to the next. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. Yes. With this house remodel, that was the like first three months. And I was like, ah, everything is falling apart. And then now it's yeah. just like, okay, now I need to paint something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's owning, owning a house. Everybody's like, oh, it'll be great. It'll be fun. You get to, you know, it's for savings. You're going to make money on it. Da -da -da. And like, every year we've had something just horrendous go wrong. <laughs> we, we live at literally in a brand new house. It was, we're, oh. we're the only people that have ever lived here. Oh my gosh. And like three years in, like our water heater blew up. We had our kit last year, our kitchen sink like exploded. <laughs> like it's always something like every year there's just like a random, like, Hey, remember that savings account you have? You don't have it anymore. Something in your house needed it. Well, that's how I feel about So here's my another movie you have to watch. Another movie <laughs> that was probably before your time, The Money Pit with Tom Hanks. My mom watched it, and I'm I'm going to get a little closer to being done with this house project before I watch it because I'm scared that I'm going to be like, oh, this is just happening here. He I laughs. don't want to know. <laughs> he, he has a laughter when everything goes wrong at the end of the movie that is just the perfect laughter for adulthood in general. <laughs> it's just this, like, uh, I don't know, hysterical, everything has gone wrong, what do I do now laughter. And I think about that laughter a lot. I have two small kids, and, like, everything's going wrong, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel that way a lot. Literally yesterday, yesterday, my kid was taking a reading test for the school district and we're still virtual <laughs> and we're virtual, which means we're online. Our entire neighborhood's internet went out yesterday for like 10 minutes. Like, the no. entire neighborhood. Like, it, there was, I was, I was like flipping out routers. I was checking the electricity. I was just running in the house, flipping switches, like trying to figure it out. And I was like, Hey, you know, I better pop into the Facebook group, our neighborhood Facebook group to see what was going on. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, our internet's out. What's going on? I'm like, oh, great. Like, right as we're about to take a district-wide reading test. And I thought about that laughter of just, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> just wait for it to get better. Yeah, Welcome yeah, to adulthood. Everything yeah, exactly. sucks. There's a pandemic. Uh. Yeah. All that money you made, uh, now you have to pay taxes on it. Oh. Ah. I remember all that money you made? Uh, your water heater just exploded. Ah, oh, cool. Remember all that money you made? Uh, you had a flat tire. Uh, I had a flat tire on my way to a corporate job last week. That was fun. Mm. I hadn't changed a tire by myself in a while. Just hadn't had to. I was like, do I still remember how to do this? <laughs> I, th I've had this car four years. I've never had to change a tire on this wow. car. I didn't even know if I had a spare. I was like, I hope I have a spare. I don't even know. Oh man. And I just eaten like a big plate of barbecue and I was, so I was all full and like happy. <laughs> oh, I was trying to change it in the parking lot. I was like, I don't want to, oh, this, uh, I felt like a sea lion trying to change a tire. <laughs> as much Great. as, like, I used to know how to change a tire, but all I can say is triple A. Like, it's yeah. like, what, 60 bucks a year? Oh man, triple A. I love you guys. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's my business advice. Show, plan to show up early to everything. Oh yeah. So for that shoot, I planned to be there an hour ahead of time. And I had to change a tire in the middle of it. And I showed up on time. Nice. Because, But if I hadn't planned for it, if I'd planned to be there on time, I would have been an hour late. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And that made that made, that'll keep that client around. I called them as soon as it happened. I was like, Hey, this was going on. I think I'm still going to be there on time, but I may not be, but I'm trying to get there on time. Mm-hmm. And we, I pulled into, so this is crazy. So I pulled into the parking lot at like one forty-five. Mm-hmm. set up corporate headshots. We did seven corporate headshots. I was back in my car at two forty-five. Nice. <laughs> um, so anyway, I don't know. I like to brag cause I'm fast <laughs> about that sort of thing. Um, ha, is there any question that I haven't asked you? What, what question haven't I asked you that I should have? Oh, that was something I should have prepared for. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty, pretty questioned out. I can't, I don't know. I can like, Uh, if so, we think of something super later, I can like record it and ask myself. No, this, this is a one shot. (laughs) This is is a one shot campaign. (laughs) Are there any questions you have for me? Mm. How about not yet? I know we're, we're off the podcast, but I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over like the past couple weeks and hope I continue to get to know you. Yeah. Get, make sure your stuff is done for a team. I'm I'm (laughs) doing my ridiculous goal of the the thousand words. It's going to be so hard. You you picked a way harder goal than I did. (laughs) I needed a way harder goal. I needed something to challenge myself because sometimes stuff isn't very challenging for me. So I'm like, hey, this is hard and I'm going to do it. And it's still hard. (laughs) There you go. All right. So one more time, let people know where they can find you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Genesitrus.com is probably the best place. It's not great for cell phones because I made it back when I didn't have a cell phone. So it's like desktop friendly, super hardcore. Uh, But there's all the links to all my pages on there. I'm pretty much on all social media platforms except TikTok yet. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. And patreon.com slash Genesitrus, patreon.com slash Genesitrus art. Right now I have an OnlyFans account, but yeah, that sort of feels like an early, ad- I guess I was a late adapter to that, but I don't know how long lived that'll be or not, but right now it's pretty well lived. So yeah, I'm on the internet if you need me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Hey, Jenna, thank you so much for, for being our 14th guest. Um, you're up there in like Doctor Who numbers, right? That's awesome. Um, so this has been episode 14 of the Make, Make, Make podcast. I'm Josh Baker. And again, if you want to support the things we do, we're on patreon.com slash And of all the things on the internet, I'm always at Azulox, which is A-Z-U-L-O-X. It means blue ox. Back in the internet days, I was blue ox. I had blue eyes, Paul Bunyan, babe in the blue ox. And then I went to Mexico. And so I changed it to Azul. Um, so that's where it comes from. If anybody's ever wondering where the hell Azulox comes from, now you know. Um, yeah. So thank you, Jenna. Um, and thanks you to all our listeners. Make sure y'all subscribe on either iTunes or Spotify. Uh, give us a thumbs up, give us a rating so that we can actually show up and search now. That'd be awesome. <laughs> all right, guys, y'all, everybody have a wonderful day and we'll talk to y'all soon. Thank you so much, Josh. Bye. Yay. <laughs>